today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We need to deal with the, the successes, of course, and, and some of the great accomplishments by women in all endeavors. Uh, but also we need to talk about some of the problems that are ongoing. And one of those is sexual harassment in the workplace. And uh, specifically, we've heard a number of stories in the last couple of weeks about uh, sexual harassment in the political workplace, in the halls of government. Uh, of course, the most recent one that is uh, still festering is uh, that of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, who has had a uh, few women come forward right now and, and accuse him of sexual improprieties. Uh, the governor says he's not going to resign, though, in the face of those new allegations from a former aide who said that she thought his behavior was inappropriate. If customs change, then uh, I'll change uh, the customs and the behaviors. But I never meant to feel, make anyone feel any uncomfortable. I don't know if that does anything to allay any of the concerns that have been in there. And as we mentioned on this side of the border, the past two now, uh, heads of the Canadian military uh, are both being investigated for sexual impropriety in the workplace, uh, which tells us a very ugly message. But it's also happening at other levels of government as well. And specifically, uh, a situation in Ottawa has uh, motivated a number of people to get involved and actually ask for some of that change. And, you know, when we want to look at uh, at the theme this year, the change, challenge the change, and, and this is what they're doing in Ottawa uh, with a movement that I'm sure they are hoping and others are hoping is going to spread right across the country. Uh, to explain what's happening and uh, to uh, talk about exactly how these people are addressing this problem, uh, we're pleased to welcome to the program Nancy O'Brien, who is an author and women's rights advocate who is extremely familiar with what's happening up there and uh, the, the passion that some people are showing to try to exact this change. Nancy, thank you so much for the time. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Well, happy International Women's Day to you, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Ottawa, and, and I want to remind our listeners that this is a specific situation uh, about a sexual harassment case, but it's happening in other communities and other cities. I mean, just the fact that it doesn't make headlines in, in a particular community doesn't mean it's not happening. Exactly, exactly. Um, I mean, there have been uh, stories out of Brampton where a counselor there was, uh, I believe it was Brampton, was uh, found to have committed sexual harassment. Um, and I believe that there's a, a lawsuit going on over there. And I'm sure that there are lots of other examples across Ontario. The way that the Municipal Act, um, you know, it just doesn't address sexual harassment. So it's very intimidating to come forward the way the Municipal Act um, is written currently. Um, for me, personally, because I am a survivor myself, I had to go through an integrity commissioner um, investigation, and now there's an open OPP investigation on uh, my former boss, Rick Shirelli. So it's, um, it's, it's a lot to have to face, to go up against a public figure, to go up against a giant. Um, so I'm sure that there are a lot of silent survivors out there in Ontario. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, about the uh, about the way things are actually set up right now, because therein lies part of the problem. It's a structural problem to begin with. Uh, and, and I can account for my, my nine years on Hamilton City Council about the way things work. And it, it's something that bothers me. It still bothers me to this day, Nancy, and you've seen it firsthand right now. Uh, however well-intentioned some of the people around the city council chambers might be, uh, they tend to circle the wagons and protect their own when stuff like this happens. Yeah, exactly. The current Municipal Act prioritizes the mismanagement of office budgets over the mismanagement of people. It prioritizes absenteeism over being a decent human being. I think it leans really heavily on the municipality's code of conduct to address, like, misconduct, abuse, 
exploitation, sexual harassment, and other egregious behavior. The, the penalties that municipalities have to hold local politicians accountable are kind of a joke. You know, they, they lose three months of pay or their position on committees or boards. And if a manager uh, being held to the same code of conduct um, in the bureaucracy were to uncover the same flagrant behavior, they would be fired. So as policymakers, they should be held to a higher standard, not a lower one. So why are municipal politicians immune to real-world consequences, you know? Well, and, and it's not a rhetorical question. It's a question that I think demands an answer. Uh, and your point's well taken right now. If, if you're an elected official at the municipal act, so this is the, at, the, at the city level, the city and town level, uh, if somebody uh, is, is found to be in violation of, of their code of conduct, as you say, um, absenteeism, uh, missing three consecutive months of beatings, uh, if you don't live in the municipality or if you're serving a jail sentence, yeah, that's pretty much a giveaway too. Uh, they can take you out of office. They can do, there's enough, but it doesn't happen. Uh, as I mentioned in my commentary, very few times are these charges pursued, and even if they are, the outcome never seems to, to take into account the impact that it's had on victims like this. And, and, and this is part of the frustration right now. And, and we're only talking about the tip of the iceberg here, aren't we, Nancy? I mean, a number of incidents like this occur that never make the headlines because of non-disclosure agreements and, issue, and, and, and attempts to settle uh, before this thing makes headlines with the individual. So uh, those stories are never going to be told. But, uh, but you have gone public with this one because it was such a, a blatant case. And, uh, and the way that council dealt with this and uh, the way that, uh, that, that others are, are reacting in this community uh, has got to be awfully frustrating for you. Oh, it absolutely is. As far as I'm concerned, the way that the Municipal Act is written right now, it almost enables this behavior because there are no real measures, um, effective measures for accountability. I think my former boss, he's a byproduct of, this accountability loophole that's in the Municipal Act. And for me, like why I came forward, it's about future Rick Shirelli's and future women that they don't find themselves in the same circumstances as me, that they won't have their abuser be their city councillor who is making important decisions on their behalf and getting paid by their tax dollars. Uh, This can't happen again. It can't. This has been investigated. We, we need to remind our people. I know there are accusations that are being made here, but uh, the Inve- Integrity Commissioner, and I have my own problems with that office myself, not just the individual in Ottawa. I'm talking about Integrity Commissioners in general, because invariably what they will do is they will do their investigations into situations and present it back to council. And it's the council. In other words, it's, it's the accused councillor's colleagues that are actually going to pass judgment on this. And, and we all know how that ends up more often than not. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I, I don't know if you've heard, but um, MPP Stephen Blay, um, he announced um, his uh, private member's bill this morning mm-hmm. to address the situation. And he's proposing something similar to what they use for the Conflict of Interest Act, where, yes, it would give the Integrity Commissioner the ability to recommend that um, a, a councillor lose their seat. Council would then vote on it, and then it would go to uh, into the court system, and ultimately the court system would be the one that um, that decided uh, whether to go ahead with the recommendations. 
how do you feel as a victim to, to have experienced this? I mean, we've heard about this and to actually experience this firsthand, what, what it's done to you. I mean, to, to actually being faced with a, a challenge, I guess, as, as you and so many other victims have, Nancy, uh, where, you know, for you to, to carry on and, and in, in your chosen field, uh, it's not going to be based on your ability. It's going to be based on whether or not you acquiesce to, to, some male who's suggesting that you know you will do this or i can ruin you or you know it happens anyway sadly in situations like that uh it's it's a, an incredible predicament to find yourself absolutely I, I, again um survivors of harassment when when dealing with a public figure like it's really uh they're they're really the underdog in the situation it doesn't um it's it's intimidating and everything that I went through um, I, I felt so alone because I didn't feel like there was anything that can could be done and um, people kind of knew that something was up I don't think people knew how how bad it was but they you know people looked the other way um, it was just kind of this it was normalized this sort of misogynistic toxic environment and um and and what happened to me is is pretty messed up um i haven't spoken publicly about it because again uh there's an open opp investigation and i don't want to do anything to compromise that but um i mean it i've gone through a lot of therapy and done a lot of work on myself in order to heal it's taken you know, a couple of years of, of, of hard work to come through the other side of the trauma that I endured. And I don't think people realize that when you're, when you're in a, a toxic environment like that and you just feel so absolutely helpless in the moment, it's, um, it, it's, it's rough. It's, it's a rough reality of, of this situation. Do you think you've come out the other side yet? I think that seeing changes to the Municipal Act will help me feel some semblance of peace. There's a lot of the shame attached to this for not having the ability to protect myself, to protect my colleagues, you know, to, to speak out at the time. And I feel like being able to to contribute to protecting future women will help me erase some of that shame and, and give me some peace. I, I really believe that right now we have an opportunity to show the province, to show the country what can be done when everyone works together towards a common goal, and that we need to bring all parties to the table, put their grown-up pants on, and collaborate as a team towards the best solution for real-world accountability every party to bring their expertise and distinct skill sets and work together towards the same outcome to prove to the public that politicians are not just a bunch of petty children voting on each other's salary, but that they can take action on important issues and set an appropriate standard for accountability to renew the public's trust. This isn't a partisan issue. It's, it's, an issue of ethics 
it's an issue of accountability. It's about ensuring the protection of women and other marginalized groups from harassment or discrimination. I think no matter what your party, you can get behind these issues. And I know maybe the cynics or the re- realists out there are thinking that I'm living in la-la land by, by saying this. And, you know, fair, <laughs> probably fair. But, but it's been a tough year. And I think we can all use a little optimism right now. You've written a book yes. um, <laughs> called The Political Assistant. How cathartic was that for you? Oh, it was definitely a huge part of my healing process. Um, when I was first writing into the integrity commissioner about my experiences, um, I, I realized how cathartic it was to just get it out, write it down on paper. And that's kind of where this idea came from, to, to take my my story and put it you know it's it's novel it's fictional but um put it in this fantasy land um it's been very empowering to kind of take back my story and um and create these characters the the main character uh her name is cal and she's uh far stronger than me she's way cooler than me (laughs) um it's it's been uh incredible for my own healing journey and my healing process. A good friend of mine that used to work for the Special Forces and London Police Force, David said, who wrote a book, and he said, you know, I'm bound by, you know, create, I can't talk about the facts of the, of the case, but he says I can tell you a story, which is what he did. He wrote two books, uh, and we know that truth and fiction were interwoven through that, and, and certainly your life experience uh, was, was a great influence in, in how you wrote this book, I would think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Any real-world Anything that happened in my life, like I used it fictitiously in the book, but I definitely took inspiration from my own life, for sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating story, uh, and we don't know the outcome. I mean, the, the book, by the way, is available on Amazon. People want to check that out on their own. But, but, the, the, but the motivation to do this, and I know that there are people that are, are there for you. Uh, they've been there to support you, to help you through this, uh, and, and to remind you that you're not alone. But the, through this this journey, though, there, there had to be times, Nancy, where you felt that you were alone, that 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 you know that you were doing this all by yourself and climbing that mountain without a whole lot of assistance. Absolutely, absolutely. Especially when the integrity commission investigation was ongoing, you know, I, I had support with my with my friends and my family, but they didn't really truly understand what I was going through. And it wasn't until after that that second integrity commissioner report had come out that involved myself and some of my former colleagues that we were finally able to to reconnect and and support each other in a way that only fellow survivors can can do. Um, but but it was a dark year. It was a tough it was a tough year. I was um, I was also home on maternity leave. I just had twins. You know, it just kind of uh, everything um, came came in at once um and it, it was a really it was a really dark time it was a hard time but i'm i'm glad i've made it to the other side and it's it's made me resilient it's made me stronger and i am so committed to ensuring that no other woman or other person ever has to go through what i did ever again it can't happen again I can't say that enough. <laughs> but, but, but sadly, you know it will, and it's probably happening as we speak to somebody someplace. And uh, it, it's an important decision. It's a very difficult decision, I would think, to, to decide I've got to come forward. Somebody has to speak out. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and my former colleague, Victoria, she was the first one in Ottawa in regards to the Riccarelli, um, the Riccarelli case that, that put her name and her face out there. And... Um, and I give her full props that she that she was able to do that. And if anything, she inspired me to say, "Okay, I can do this too." Working in politics, it's um, it, it helped me understand the way that the machine works. And I knew that we needed some faces um, to push this agenda forward to ensure that it's taken seriously. That it's not just um, you know thrown under the rug and and we get a pat on the head and goodbye. No, no, no. We need we need real change. And uh, by putting our faces out there, we're going to ensure that it happens. Well, what we've seen, uh, just looking at some of the high-profile examples that we've talked about too, whether it's the Bill Cosby's or, you know, the Harvey Weinstein's or, or you know, goes right down the list. Uh, you find that when people do come forward and there's any investigation, that oftentimes the perpetrators of this are are, are serial perpetrators. Uh, so there are many more victims uh, in, in, in situations like that, and uh, we need to talk about it. I mean, that's the only the first step in, in trying to resolve this and, and 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 get some justice here is to talk about this, and and especially at the municipal level, as you say, if you're the manager of some department and you were found to be culpable in this situation, you lose your job. There's, there's no two ways about it. In any other professional capacity too, but as an elected official, uh, apparently, if, if you just say I'm not leaving. There's not much they can do about it, and that's got to change. That, that's the essence of this, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you've really summed it up quite nicely. <laughs> Nancy, uh, good luck uh, with the kids, first of all, uh, with the twins, and, 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 and thank you again for your bravery for coming forward and telling your story and, uh, and being persistent about this. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fabulous to, to see the, the way that you've approached this, and, and I know that there have been peaks and valleys, and maybe a lot more valleys than peaks in situations like this, but we're hoping that there's going to be a good outcome to this, and it will, if it does happen, it's going to be because of your diligence. Uh, carry on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Take care, Nancy. Nancy O'Brien, author and women's rights advocate, who's, uh, as you mentioned, deeply embroiled, of course, in uh, what's going on with the uh, the sexual harassment cases that are going on in Ottawa, and as we talked about, in other municipalities, too. And uh, if people are being victimized by this, uh, hopefully this will serve as an inspiration to, to, to be able to handle this and, and to deal with this and to reach out to people. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.